record three tapes. Track number one is not being used. Track number one is not being used. Track number two, 200123, 200123. Sunday AM service, Ken Trivet. I shall and I should. I shall and I should. Track number three, 200123, 200123. PM service, Ken Trivet. Clearing the muddy waters about spiritual gifts. Clearing the muddy waters about spiritual gifts. Track number four, 200126. 200126 PM service, Wednesday night, no title. A blessedness, what a peace is mine. Leaning on the everlasting heart. Leaning, leaning, safe and secure from all alarms. Leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms. On the second now. Oh, how sweet to walk in this pilgrim way. Leaning on the everlasting arms. Oh, how bright the path grows from day to day. Leaning on the everlasting arms. Leaning, leaning, safe and secure from all alarms. Leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms. Let's turn around and shake hands and fellowship. Get out of your seat. Let our visitors know how glad we are to have you. the last now all together what have i to dread what have i to fear leaning on the everlasting arms i have left
blessed peace with my Lord so near, leaning on the everlasting heart, leaning, leaning, safe and secure from all alarms, leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting, on the course again, leaning, leaning, safe and secure from all alarms, leaning, leaning, leaning on the everlasting arms. Let's remain standing for a word of prayer. Good to have all of you with us tonight. Those that are visiting, we are glad that you're here. Let's pray now. Father, we do thank you that we can lean on you and we can trust you. And we can come to you with all the needs of our life and put them into your hands. We thank you so much for who you are and what you mean to us. Now make the truth of your word real to us tonight. Speak to us in all the things that are going on. We pray, Lord, for the Awana that's going on tonight. We pray for the junior high, the senior high. We pray for their services and their ministry tonight. For the service here, for the training classes that are going on afterwards. Everything that's going on today, tonight, we ask your riches of blessings to be upon them. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's keep singing. 519, love lifted me. 519. I was seeking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore. Very deeply stained within, seeking to rise no more. But the master of the sea heard my despairing cry. From the waters lifted me, now safe am I. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Above. Jesus completely saves. He will lift you by his love out of the angry ways. He's the master of the sea, fellows his will obey. He your savior wants to be, be saved today. Love lifted me, love lifted me. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. Let's let our ushers come forward. Janet, you can come over here and set Kim if you want to. That is, if you want to. Amen. Amen. I thought maybe they was fighting. They were looking at one another like, should I come? Should I not come? Whatever. Amen. You give tonight. Everything you give on Wednesday night goes to support of the Bible conference in the fall. And as you know, this helps take care of lodging and many different things. So whereas we have to raise so much money in August and that time, this has helped maybe to eliminate most of that. So you give and the Lord will bless you. Father, we thank you now 
for the joy of being able to give to you and what a blessing it is to be able to give. Teach us how to give. Teach us to give in such a way, Lord, that it honors you. Teach us in such a way that you can be pleased with the way we give. And Lord, help us in our attitude of giving. Lord, we pray you bless the conference and for what we give it for, even though it's months away. You know the needs, and I pray you'll bless tonight through the giving of your people. In Jesus' name, amen. want to say, uh, I had everything in the world fighting these days. Uh, it seems like ever since Commitment Sunday, and me and Carrie have noticed it's just ever since then we started to do more and more. It seems like just it's, it's an unending battle. And uh, I've been humming this song over and over. It's one of my favorite songs. One of the only songs I think I don't need a sheet. I don't think I need a sheet to, <laughs> to know how to do. But y'all pray for us. I hope I can get through without crying. <laughs> Through trials, troubles, and cares, I know that Jesus, my Savior, is there, giving me grace through darkest days and keeping me whole along the way. Jesus, Savior. When the sorrows acquainted with grief 
And he gave his life so we might be free. Jesus, Savior, who and me each day. Fill me with hope. Fill me with faith. Darkness retreats at the touch of your hand. Jesus, Savior, who helped me to stand. I know that Jesus died for me and canceled my debt at Calvary and rose from the grave, unlocked heaven's door, trust in his love and live evermore. Jesus, Savior, who helped me each day to fill me with hope, fill me with faith, darkness retreat, touch of your hand, Jesus, Savior, who held me As a blessing, wasn't it? Amen. Take your Bible and be finding first Thessalonians chapter 4, if you would, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And Ronnie brought up a very good point when he made the statement there, ever since Commitment Sunday. You mark it down. I want every one of you listen. You mark it down whenever you make decisions for the Lord. And you say, this is what I'm going to do. We're going to get serious about God in this area there. The devil will always fight. I think about over the book of Exodus where they, uh, the Lord supplied water for them, and then the Bible said, Then came Amalek. And read over there where Jesus was tempted. Then he was driven of the Spirit into the wilderness. So it's always a then. Whenever there's some kind of commitment, or whenever God blesses, or just prior to God's blessings, the devil will always fight. Someone says, Well, boy, everything's gone wrong. I must have got out of the will of God. No, that's not necessarily the case. It's simply Satan wants you to get out of the will of God. Amen? So he'll always fight. I want you to look in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and I want us to think tonight about ultimate goals. I've been talking a lot about goals. been talking a lot about goals and direction and vision and where we want to go and what we want to do. Began the year and our first deacons meeting uh, laid out goals for the next 12 months, where we want to go, what we want to do, goals concerning building, paying this building off. And it would have been paid off toward the end of the year and went into the meeting and said, now, this is our goal, this is what we want to do, this is, going to, this is how we're going to do it. And my goal was to pay it off in around June or July. But Lord willing, just having a goal makes a difference. We'll probably pay the thing off in February. And so, and, and just many, many other things. And in the leaders' banquet, 
I set forth goals and said, these are the things that we want to do in the coming year. This is what we want to do in Sunday school. This is what we want to do as far as staff is concerned, adding staff members, a minister of youth, and a minister of education for the years out, and adding this and doing this and going here and going there and all these things. Goals, talking about goals and where we want to go and what we want to do. Well, I want us to consider tonight what I want to call the ultimate goals. All of these things like paying off a building and uh, adding staff members. Uh, Chester Joe Ash is coming up in, in a few months. And Lord willing, I'm going to put a big uh, drive through out here where you can come in out from under the rain and the weather. And uh, we're not designing it for snow because we're just believing God it's never going to snow again. Say amen. But uh, that kind of thing. And, and out on the front and uh, redoing the front and uh, maybe even adding restrooms out front and whatever and things like that. I've already got an architect working on that now. And uh, all of these things, we're just saying this is where we want to go. This is what we want to do. Uh, these, these are goals and they're good goals, but they're not the ultimate goal. They are the outflow of ultimate goals, but they're not the ultimate goals. I want you to look at the ultimate goals of life. Would you stand tonight and look at one verse of Scripture? And I'm going to point you to about three places in the Bible where you find a particular word, uh, a word that means goals. You do not find the word goal or goals in the Bible. Uh, you do find the word vision uh, on one or two occasions, but you do not find the word goal, such as having a goal in life. But there is a word that Paul used that means a goal. He doesn't use the word G-O-A-L, but he uses different words, but these words speak about a goal in life, a direction in life. And there were three occasions that he used this word. And what he's talking about is the goals of his life. We find one of them in 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 11. Notice the scriptures. 1 Thessalonians 4, 11. The Bible said in that, Ye study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we have commanded you. Now let me read that verse again. Now you'd read that and think, now what is a goal? Where's the ideal of a goal? I'll point out a word in just a moment, explain the text. But again, Paul said, this is my goal and that you study to be quiet, to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we have commanded you. Thank you. you may be seated. Let's pray. And tonight we'll think about this matter of ultimate goals. Let's pray. Father, tonight in Jesus' name, I am learning that you intend for us to have goals. Lord, I am learning tonight the importance of goals. I am learning the importance of knowing what we should do and knowing where we should go. And Lord, I trust that we as a church are learning the importance of knowing your mind and knowing your will, knowing your call in our life and making that the priority as well as the pursuit of our life. I pray tonight that as we consider the goals of the Apostle Paul's life, these ultimate goals of life, speak to us tonight. All the things that we want to do in the coming months, and all the things we plan on doing over the coming years, but over the next 12 months, all these things we're shooting for and striving for and want to accomplish and want to reach, Help us to realize, Lord, that they are not the ultimate goals of life. They are important to us. They're important in where we go. But help us tonight to realize what should be important and all these other things, let them become an outflow of the priorities of our, and pursuits of our life. So speak to us now. We'll thank you 
and we'll praise you for it is in Jesus' name we pray and ask these things. Amen. Now let me begin tonight by just asking you what your goals are. And I don't want you to respond to them in any way, but I'm asking you as an individual, your own personal life, what are the goals of your life? What are you wanting to become? What are you wanting to do? Is there any goal in life? Is there any desire that you have in life? Is there something down the road that you want to become in the days ahead? Is there something, somebody that you want to become as a Christian? Is there some kind of goal that you have in life? It may be in your business. It may be in your home. It may be in your Sunday school class. It may be in your area service. But do you have a goal? I said a moment ago, goals are very, very important to us. But I'm afraid that many believers just don't have goals. Some goals in many lives may be like a fisherman's prayer that I ran across. And this prayer went like this. This fisherman's prayer was, I pray that I might live to fish until my dying day. And when it comes my last to cast, I then most humbly pray. When in the Lord's great landing net and peacefully asleep, that in His mercy I may be judged big enough to keep. Can I get an amen right there? Well, I've, I'm afraid that's many lives, that's really... Uh, the kind of goal or the pursuit of life. I have shared the story with you before of Oliver Wendell Holmes, the eminent Supreme Court Justice. And he was traveling on a train and he was reading his newspaper when the conductor walked by or came up punching tickets. Well, this uh, eminent justice began to search his coat pockets for his ticket and he couldn't find it. He looked in one pocket, he looked in another pocket, he looked in his vest pocket, and he just could not find his ticket. Well, the conductor recognized who he was, and he said, Mr. Justice Holmes, don't worry. I'm sure the great Pennsylvania Railroad won't mind if you send your ticket to us when you find it. And when he said that, the distinguished jurist looked up at the conductor and said, My dear young man, the problem is not where is my ticket. The problem is where am I going? Well, many believers just do not know where they are going. And many churches have no idea where they're going. They have no goals they have no purpose in life. They have no direction. They have nothing to which they are aiming for. But I think about something that G.H. Morrison said, one of my favorite writers. He said, our life is not measured by what we win. Our life is measured by the thing we strive for. Can I say that again? Our life is not measured by what we win. Our life is measured by what we strive for. And then I'm sure you've run across the quote of Henry David Thoreau who said, in the long run, men only hit what they aim at. So it's a matter of goals, having goals in life. But what is the ultimate goals in life? Again, we can talk about building this, going here and doing that. But I am convinced that they should not be the ultimate goal of a church. They should not be the ultimate goal of my life. They should not be the ultimate goal of your life. What are the ultimate goals of life? Well, again, as I said a moment ago, you do not find the word goal or goals in the Bible. But you do find Paul using a word that means goals. It talks about something you strive for, something you labor for, something you study for, something that you are shooting at, a direction in life. It is the Greek word philodomai. It is found three times in the New Testament. Let me point these three occasions out to you tonight and give you what Paul spoke of as the goals of his life. Paul was saying in the usage of these, this word on three different occasions that this is my goal. 
This is what I'm living for. This is what I am striving for. This is the goal of my life. Or what were the goals of Paul? Well, let me point out, first of all, that his goal in life was to portray the Lord Jesus Christ. One of his goals in life was to portray Christ in his life. Look at our text, 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 11. And he said then that you study to be quiet and to do your own business and to work with your own hands as we have commanded you. Now underscore the word study that is used there. It's an old English word that means to have something on the mind. It's not so much that you're sitting down with a book or books or whatever, studying like for exam. It'd be like... Uh, as we used to say, I'm, I was thinking about my grandmother today. We was talking about my grandmother at the funeral home and, and some of the sayings she had or the nicknames she had, whatever like that. And I was thinking about some things and the way she put things and the way she says things. And you, for example, if you sit down and you're just real quiet and you're looking out the window, uh, grandma would ask you, well, what are you studying about? And what she meant by that was, what are you thinking about? What's on your mind? The old word study, the old English word used here, had that mind. But it's the word philodomeo mind. It is a word that describes a goal. It is a word that describes a direction or something you are striving for. And Paul said to the believers at 1 Thessalonians or at, at the church of Thessalonica, he said, this is your goal. This is an ambition. This is something you are shooting for. And he said, I want you to shoot for the fact that I want you to shoot for the matter of being quiet and doing your own business and working with your own hands as I have commanded you. Now, behind that statement by Paul was a concern that these believers develop a Christ-like life. One of the things Paul is shooting for is that in their own lifestyle, day by day by day, that they live a practical Christian life and that they live a quiet life or just a down-to-earth life every day in all their dealings of life. They're honest in their dealings. They are diligent in all that they do. They just live an honorable life and a life that earns respect and esteem. He said, now this is your goal in life. And again, behind it all is the desire that in their daily living that they live the kind of Christian life that is blameless. And they live the kind of Christian life that reflects what Christian living is all about. In those days, there were those who were saying the Lord was coming and they were quitting everything. They were not working and whatever. And Paul made a statement there about certain ones that wouldn't work. He said, if they don't work, you don't feed them. He said, if they have the ability to work, then they ought to work. And he said, if they won't work and have the ability to work, in essence, Paul said, let them starve. He said, you're not to help them. They've got enough sense to get out and get their own job and work. That's what he was saying. But he was saying to the believers here, he said, I want you to get out there and do what is right and live the kind of life day in and day out that reflects what being a Christian is all about. Or if I may put it this way, he was he's saying to them, I want you to study. I want one of your goals in life be to portray Jesus Christ in how you live. And really that's what living the Christian life is about. It is portraying to this world Christ in our life. It is a portrayal of the Lord Jesus. Well, may I say, one thing, you ought to portray Christ in your public life. In your public life. The world that, that we are in day in and day out, they ought to see something in us that's different. Can I get an amen there? They ought to see something, a Christian, they ought to see his work ethics are different. They ought to look at a Christian and the boss men ought to say, the best workers I got are Christians. And the most honest people I've got are Christians. Living in a public way where you exemplify a Christ life. 
Christ living in you, portraying Him in all that you do. The world ought to see Christ in us, in our public life. But not only in our public life, but second of all, even in our private life. Now, it's one thing to be one thing in public, but it's another thing to be the same thing in private. When nobody knows about it, no one will ever know about it. You're a private. You're all alone. You're, you're, nobody's ever going to know. Nobody's ever going to see. The real test of the quality of your Christian life is are you the same thing in private that you are in public? Do you live a Christ-reflecting life even in private? I'm talking about be, making one of the goals of our life is that in all that I do, I reflect Jesus Christ. I submit unto you tonight the greatest need of this world is not to see more preachers and not to see more big names and not to see more fancy name churches, whatever. What this world needs to see is Jesus through those in the church. And so it's portraying Christ. I think about John Wesley on one occasion was preaching and there's this little boy sitting there and he was listening to him and watching him. John Wesley was a little bitty fella. John Wesley was about five foot five, never weighed more than 120 pounds in his life. A little bitty fella. But he was preaching and this little boy was watching him and he looked up at his mother and he asked his mother, Mom, do you think God looks like that? You see, there was something about John Wesley's life that made that little boy wonder, is that what Jesus looks like? Well, I don't know what he looks like, but I want to say there ought to be something in our life that is reflective of the Lord Jesus Christ, portraying Christ. And that ought to be one of our goals. Now, we can have goals for this, goals to raise this amount of money, and goals to build this building and goals to add this person, whatever. But the ultimate goal is to portray Jesus Christ. All right, look at the second thing. Look in, uh, in the book of Romans 15 and verse 20. Not only the matter, uh, rather look in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 9. Uh, look at the second thing. Not only did Paul say this is my goal or a goal to portray Christ, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, notice verse 9. Paul gives a second goal of his life. He said in 2 Corinthians 5, 9, Wherefore we labor. Do you see that? Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. You see the word labor there? Same word that was translated study in 1 Thessalonians 4.11. Same word, same word, philodomai, translated study in one place, but now it's translated labor. Paul said, wherefore we labor, wherefore we strive, wherefore this is our goal, this is our passion, this is our pursuit in life. What was his goal? Not only to portray Christ, but he said, my goal is to please Christ. He said, we labor that we may be accepted of Him. That word accepted simply talks about being pleasing to Him. Paul was saying, now this is my goal. My goal is to portray Christ in an everyday, day in and day out living, and my goal is to please Christ in everything that I do. Now I ask you tonight, is that your goal? That should be one of the goals of every believer's life. That in everything I say, in everything I do, I please the Lord Jesus. Now, I find it interesting as you look in the Bible that twice the Bible tells us of those who cannot please God. For example, Romans chapter 8 tells us that the unregenerate cannot please God. Romans 8 said, they that are in the flesh cannot please 
God. Now you listen to me. A lost person can't please God. Somebody that's never been born again can't please God. I remember listening to a talk show one time when they was arguing about whether God heard the prayers of a Jew or God heard the prayers of this person or someone maybe that was not a Christian or whatever. The answer is very simple to that. God hears the prayers of those that are redeemed. And the first prayer that God will hear of people is when they come to Him and they ask God to save them by His grace. You see, an unregenerate person, someone that is unsaved, cannot please God. Second of all, Hebrews 11 talks about the unbelieving cannot please God. The Bible said without faith it is impossible to please Him. The indication is there is no way that we can please God without faith. Faith is the start of the Christian life. It is the continuance of the Christian life. The believer is brought in the family of God by faith and the just lives by faith. We must believe God. We must trust God. The matter of doing His will is a matter of trusting God. The matter of taking God at His word and believing what He said and doing what He said. It's a matter of faith from beginning to end. And the Bible said if we do not live by faith, it is impossible to please God. Now Paul said, this is my goal. I want to please the Lord Jesus Christ. I want every thought, he says in essence, to please Him. I want every word to please Him. I want every deed to please Him. Every day to please Him. I want everything about my life to please God. In the context here, he describes a reason for that. Look at verse 10. He said, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Verse 11, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. He said, understanding it's a very terrifying thing to give an account to God for our life. He said, for that reason, I want to please Him. I labor. My goal, my passion, Paul said, is to please Jesus Christ. Again, we have goals in life. We have goals as a church. But the ultimate goal is that we please Christ. Am I not right? Amen. Well, let me give you a third one. Turn to Romans 15. In Romans chapter 15, notice verse 20. You have a third goal that Paul gives. In 1 Thessalonians 4.11, Paul said, This is a goal, this is my goal, to be quiet, to do my own business, to work with my own hands as I have been commanded. He said, I want to portray Christ in my everyday life. 2 Corinthians 5.9, I labor that whether absent or present, I may be pleasing to Him. He said, I want to please Christ. But in Romans 15, 20, Paul said, the goal, one of the goals of my life is to preach Christ. Not only to portray Him, not only to please Him, but to preach or present Christ. Look what he said in Romans 15, 20. Yea, so have I strived. See the word strive? Same word translated study, 1 Thessalonians 4, 11. Same word in 2 Corinthians 5, 9 for labor. Now he said, yea, I have, yea, so have I strived. What? What is the goal? To preach the gospel. Not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation. Paul said, this is my goal. These are my goals. My goals in life are to portray Christ. My goals in life are to please Christ. My goals in life are to preach Christ or to present Him. Paul said, I want people to know about Christ. Now, when we think about preaching, he talks about preaching in verse 20 of chapter 15 in Romans. When we think about preaching, we usually think about what I'm doing. 
and what I'm standing up here in front of you or somebody like doing what I do and preaching and whatever we think of preaching in that sense of the word. But the truth of the matter is every one of you are preachers. I'm not going to ordain every one of you, but every one of you are preachers. Amen? You are preachers in the sense that you have an obligation. A preacher is a herald. That's what the word preacher means, a herald. A preacher is a herald of the good news. And every child of God is a herald, a proclaimer of the good news. There is a sense in which everybody is to be a preacher. Now, all you women get in on this one. Every one of you, you are to be a preacher. Now, what do you mean about this matter of preaching? Why should everybody have this goal that I want to present Christ? Well, let me say, first of all, it's a goal to present the gospel to everyone. To see as many people saved as we can and to try to tell everybody we can that they need to be born again. I was watching Larry King live the other night and Al Moeller Southern Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky was on there and they had the Jews on there and they were arguing back and forth about this uh, challenge that the uh, uh, Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Conventions put about winning uh, Jews to Christ. And I even heard uh, yesterday on the radio that now they're uh, or t the radio defined it as targeting Mormons and Muslims and things like that and whatever. And I was listening to them arguing back and forth. The Jewish rabbis would call it proselyting and, and whatever like that. But I liked what Al Mohler said. And I liked how he explained it. And it all settled down and whatever. And he said, really the bottom line is this. We have been told by Christ in His Word to tell everybody about Him. And that is the truth. And we have been sent out by God to preach to everyone. And one of the goals in life ought to be to preach Christ and present Christ to everyone. I never forget, and have never forgotten a story that I once heard Dr. John O. Rice tell years ago. And Dr. Rice was telling about when he first started in the ministry, he went to hear Gypsy Smith at First Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas. I believe it's at First Baptist in Dallas. And Gypsy Smith was... Uh, from England, I say there was a, you know, a gypsy family. That's why he was called Gypsy Smith. And, and God really used Gypsy Smith in the latter part of the 1800s and the first part of this uh, century and whatever. But he was a very compassionate man, very powerful preacher, had a real burden for souls, and that was the drive of his life. But Dr. Rice, as a young man, went to hear Gypsy Smith preach and said that night Gypsy Smith got up and he said, I want to challenge every one of you to leave this place tonight and to witness to the first person you meet. The first person that you meet that maybe is not a Christian. He said, I challenge you to talk to them about being saved and whether or not they know Christ. And John R. Rice said, I said that night with the help and the grace of God, when I get out of here, the first person that I think has not been in this service or church or whatever, I'm going to witness to them. And he walked out that service that night with that purpose and with that determination in his heart, he's going to witness someone. Started down the street and he saw a cabbie standing on the side of the street by his cab. He walked over to him and said, may I ask you a question? And the fellow looked at Dr. Rice and said, yes. And John R. Rice said, I want to know whether or not you have ever been saved. Has anybody ever told you about Jesus? And he said the cabbie's eyes began to well up with tears. And he said, yes, sir, just a few minutes ago, a gypsy fella walked by and told me how to get saved. And I, and I got saved just a few minutes ago. I'm talking about witnessing to everyone you can. A goal in life, a passion in life to witness and preach to everyone. And second of all, to preach everywhere. 
everywhere you go, on your jobs, down at the schoolhouse, on the campus, in the neighborhood, in the home, on the streets, in the neighborhood, everywhere, telling someone about Jesus Christ. Again, look up here at me. I believe these are the goals Paul. Paul said, my life consists of many things. Paul was involved in many things, but Paul said, you can sum them all up in these three things. This is the goal, goals of my life. My goal is to portray Christ. My goal is to please Christ. My goal is to preach Christ. I submit to you tonight, that is the ultimate as far as goals are concerned. Now I think about this coming year. We have goals in Sunday school. We want to get our attendance up. We have goals in Sunday school that our attendance will go over 500 this year, which I believe it will. If everybody will work, it will. If, if, uh, if everybody, including Edith Brooks, if, she'd all, if everybody went to work, she told me last today, she said, you hadn't said anything about me in a while. She's saying that because, you know, like she's glad, but really what she's doing is want me to say something about her and, and mention her service tonight. And I know that. But uh, everybody... I mean, if everybody went to work, we can reach 500 in Sunday school. We can do all the remodeling and construction work we want to do, add the staff, uh, do all these things, reach these goals, add these new ministries. And all. We can do all of that. We can do all that in the coming month. The goals we've set, I believe, are very realistic. They're goals, I believe, that God has given us for this year. But these are not the things that become life and death to us. Sometimes there are goals we set, maybe you won't, we won't reach them when we want to reach them. But yet we're shooting for something. But that which should be the ultimate in life and that which we strive for day by day and is the priority of our life is that everything I do, in everything I do, I portray Christ, I please Christ, and I present Christ. Be a constant witness. That should be the driving goal. I tell you what, if those ultimate goals became the ultimate goals of our life, then all the other goals take care of themselves. Goals, living for these things. Take your prayer sheet and look at it for just a moment. And we're going to come to the altar in just a few minutes. And we're going to ask the Lord, and I hope that many of you will do so and come and say, Lord, I want this to be the goal of my life. I want my goal in life to portray you, to please you, and to preach you. You notice our missionary of the week tonight is Michael and Marcia Talley. They served here while they were in school, and they're going to Germany with Baptist Mid-Missions, and they're getting close to getting their support. And we appreciate and love Michael and Marcia. She played a trombone here in the orchestra when she's here. You remember them. And so let's remember the Talleys tonight. And then a church of the week is Memorial Baptist Tabernacle in Rossville. Brother Doug Hawkins, this is Kevin's father. He has just resigned as pastor there. So we want to lift Brother Hawkins up tonight that the Lord will open doors for him and lead him and guide him in different things. And it's for the church. Pray for the church as well and their future and their direction where they'll go. So uh, we want to remember uh, Brother Hawkins tonight in a special way. And then, of course, those in the hospital, uh, Carolyn Bokina at Murfreesboro, Doral Buckles at Memorial Hospital, David Wallace at Erlanger, Jerry Barnes at East Ridge. And then at the bottom, you notice, many of you know that uh, Hazel Jolly went home to be with the Lord this week and we had our funeral today in Albertville, Alabama. So let's remember uh, the family. We've lost four good members over the past three weeks. And I'm talking about members who've been here 50. From Hazel, he was here 42 years and up to uh, 51 years. And so we've lost some very, very, very precious 
church members over the past few weeks. But let's remember this family and all the Jolly family and her sisters and brothers. And she has a sister still in the nursing home where she was at and all these. Let's really pray for them. Let's all get up out of our seat and come. And let's gather around the altar for three things. One, we want to pray for the tallies tonight. And missionaries in Germany, too. We want to pray for Brother Hawkins. And three, we want to say, Lord, let these, be, let these things be the goals of my life. Lord, let my goal in life be to portray you. Let my goal in life be to please you. Let my goal in life be to preach you. Let's, let's remember all these things. Father, tonight in Jesus' name, we come, we thank you for the privilege of prayer. We know, Lord, that when we come to you, that it's not necessarily just the spouting of words. But, Lord, we come to you, and we come before you, bringing the petitions of our heart, knowing, Lord, that if we ask according to your will, that you hear us, and so, Lord, we come tonight with confidence in you and the promises of your word, thanking you for the blood of Jesus Christ that has made, us, made it possible for us to come to you. And so, Father, tonight we come to lift up these special requests. We pray tonight for Mike and Marcia. We thank you, Lord, for the time they served here, the blessing they were to our church. Thank you for the call of God in their life and their burden for the mission field. And I pray you bless them. They're nearing time when they plan on leaving. I pray you bless, Lord, help them to raise the final portion of the support that they need. I pray you bless the tallies, Robert and Dawn. I pray you bless them. But bless them, Lord, in the days to come. Help them to get to the field and bless them in their ministry. We pray for the a country of Germany tonight, a country hardened to the gospel, a country in where most people are agnostics. I pray for that country and for the sending of missionaries to Germany. I pray, Lord, for the opening of hearts to your word and the softening of hearts among the German people to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Bless the work of God in Germany. We pray for Brother Hawkins tonight. I thank you for him. Thank you for his faithfulness and thank you for how he served you through the years. And I pray now you bless him and, Lord, where you're sending him and what you're doing in his life. I pray even tonight the hand of God be upon him. Supply every need now in his life during this faithfulness to you and where you would place him and what you would do in his life. Now, Father, we thank you for the many goals that we have for the coming year. And we lift all these up to you and ask you, Lord, to bless us as we work for these things. You know, our goal and purpose even behind the goals is to glorify you and to become better effective in, in the work of God. But bless them. Thank you, Lord, for the goals we've already reached. Several things, Lord, we're already ahead of schedule on. We thank you for that. Some things already, Lord, have been you blessed us with and provided for us. Goals that were for the next month and the next month. We thank you, Lord, for how we're ahead in so many things. Lord, it just goes to show us that when we have goals and have a direction and know how to do it, Lord, that many, many things can be done. And we thank you, Lord, for how you're blessing. And bless all the things that are will be coming up over the next several months, next 12 months. Bless them. But Father, above all things, may the ultimate goals of our life be to portray you, to please you, and to preach you. Help us, Lord, to make these the ultimate goals. Bless us, church, on Sunday, Lord. Give us a great day. Thank you for the good number and spy the weather on the Lord's day. 
But I pray you'd move this coming Sunday. May there be a mighty moving of God. Save people. Add to the church. Just do a special work here on the Lord's day. Stir us all, Lord, and bless those who have made commitments to serve you. And I pray you bless all the activities that will be going on over the next several days. Bless these things and use us, Lord, as a body of believers to do something for you. Revive our hearts and stir us now. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray and ask these things. Amen. Are you glad you're saved? Say amen. Just let me remind you a couple of things as, we, as you go back to your seat. We're going to be leaving just a second. Our deacons are meeting in room 105 tonight. The deacons are training classes in room 105. Sunday night we'll be observing the Lord's Supper, so you don't want to forget that. And then those in the faith classes, our first faith semester begins tomorrow night. We'll meet at 6 o'clock in room 307. That's, you can come in through the side door here to the uh, remodeled building and the large room in that. This will be using the uh, projector and different things and video in the training classes. So we'll meet at 6 o'clock tomorrow night in room 307, those in the first faith semester. I'm excited about all these things and looking forward to them. So let's all stand. There's some folk visiting tonight. You be sure to take time and speak to them. Let them know we're glad to have them. Pray the snow and the ice and the bad weather away and bring somebody on Sunday. And also, uh, we just got a few more weeks before our deadline uh, on the cruises. Uh, a couple have asked me just this week about it. We've had a couple that's had to cancel because they could not go. So we have about two, three cabins that are left. If you're interested in going on the cruise, listen, it's the most spiritual thing I've ever done in my life. I promise you. I promise you. This ought to be a goal in life to go on a cruise one time. If I want to go out in the rapture, I'd love to go off uh, a carnival cruise ship. That'd be the ultimate in life, amen? But if you're interested in going, uh, let me know. Call the office and whatever about that. We have about three cabins left, and we've got to get all that settled around the 1st of March. So uh, if you're interested, been thinking about it, let me know. You're dismissed. Shake hands and fellowship as you leave tonight. Mm -hmm.